2: Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that is as action-packed as the average game at the Motera Stadium. I'm your host, Benny, and I'm joined by a few friends, Mayank. Hey, everyone. Nish. Hi, everyone. And Himanish. Nish. Hi, and thank you for calling that stadium by the right name. We're going to just leave it there. Uh, This week, we will be talking about the Pakistan Super League, or specifically, we'll be giving an Indian perspective on the PSL. Uh, We're joined by Clive Azevedo, aka at underscore Vanilla on Twitter, who will be talking to us about his experience in the PSL while working with the Islamabad United franchise, what makes it different from the IPO, the draft system, and so much more. We also get a couple of interesting behind-the-scenes stories from Clive. Apparently, you don't mess around with Saeed Ajmal. But first, before we get into anything else, uh, we need to talk about the madness at Montera. Uh, a two-day test saw England get knocked out of contention for the World Test Championship. Aksar Patel get a tenfer in his second test. Ravichandran Ashwin becoming the second fastest to 400 test wickets. You know, for a two-day game, it was as eventful as they come. Of course, the early finish also means we get a lot more time to talk about a topic that literally nobody else has talked about so far, the pitch. So let's start with you, Mayank. What, what do you make of the whole debate?
3: Um, I mean, I'm not surprised that, you know, the English media is all over the pitch and... Uh... Uh, we saw that even after the second Chennai test, and, uh, and it's, it's it's almost expected. I feel like they did that even when they were favorites in uh, I think it was like twenty nineteen tournament in England where you know they were favorites, then suddenly bundled out, and Ian Morgan came out and he was like, oh yeah, the pitch was really weird. I mean, it's it's time they own up and they say, hey, we're not good enough good enough to play spin. Um, and I think, to be honest, I feel like there's, uh, Jorut hasn't necessarily given his excuses like that, but there's people around the team who definitely seem to be, you know, pointing to the pitch rather than their inability. So it's interesting, um, but I do think the ball also played a role. It's, uh, that's been not talked about as much as it should have, because I think a lot of people, especially in the Indian setup, seem to believe that it was, if it was a red ball test, could have lasted four days. So. That's definitely something that needs to be thought about a little more and see how we think SG ball performs.
4: Yeah, I'm going to give a very measured take here and say that India should be banned from testing for the foreseeable time, right? <laughs> we can okay. always
2: trust you for the measured takes.
4: <laughs> we can ban the stadium. Come, come, for the <laughs> come for the hard takes and, you know, stay for the measured takes by right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all jokes aside, I think, um, yeah, the ball, bo- the, the it was slightly... slightly very skewed in uh, slightly, very slightly skewed in bowlers' favor, but at the same time, you know, like Ashwin's past conference right? What makes a good surface, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a philosophical debate at this point, right? You can go on and talk about it for eons and not arrive at a consensus so i don't buy this excuse or rather this claim that oh it has to like you know start in a certain way then evolve over days two three four and then end in a certain manner right spin is as much a talent as you know opening the batting or playing the lower ta- uh, order or bowling s- seam right like it's just you have to learn the game and evolve and understand how to play the game rather than finding excuses like joe root is a master of spin right and I don't think he really found an excuse, but his comment about saying that you know it's a very thinly veiled attack on the pitch about how he said that if he can take a five-wicket haul, that speaks volumes. Right? Like he just left it at that. Personally, in summary, I think it's um, it's a fair pitch. It's challenging for the batsman, but the batsmen have to you know quite literally suck up and learn to play on
1: such. Yeah, so basically it was a difficult pitch for batting. Like It was difficult and also because you haven't had a pink ball test on a dry pitch. Usually you have a flat pitch in Australia or you have some grass left on the pitch to preserve the shine of the pink ball. So this was a new thing and it was tough for batting because A, the bounce was a little tricky. It wasn't inconsistent. Uh, It was a little tricky. But mostly the pace of the pitch because of the pink ball was too quick for the batsman to adjust. And both sides had problems with that. So <clears throat> I wouldn't call it a bad pitch because that's that's presupposing that, you know, a pitch that's challenging for batting is bad. But it was a challenging pitch and the ball made it more challenging. And someone like Akshar, who is not exactly a classical spinner, right? So a classical spinner is trained to practice landing the ball on the seam. Also, and that's right. how you work with it. But Akshar doesn't do that. He has a round-arm action. He will land this... Uh, ball on the leather as much as he lands it on the scene. And with something like the pink ball, which has this extra glare on it, when it lands on the leather, it'll skid through. And then it's physically impossible to play it if it doesn't turn, because you don't have time to adjust. And your default technique is to play for the turn. And that's what we see. And I uh, put out a thread uh, yesterday about this, that most of Akshay's wickets in the third test were to balls that went straight on because you expect it to turn and play for the turn, but it just skids on. So yeah, it it was definitely challenging to play the ball, but I don't think it was a bad pitch. I mean, what's a bad pitch? Like, why is it a bad pitch? A bad pitch is defined by the ICC uh, to be something which is dangerous enough to have inconsistent bounce. So something like Joburg, the third test that India played against South Africa, their play was stopped for a while because the bounce was inconsistent. And that was rated an average or a poor pitch, I think. So you know the the icc clearly define what a bad pitch is they don't mind lateral movement they mind uh, bounce which is not consistent so i don't think it was a bad pitch i think it's it's whining by the english media which is causing up the storm and i think we should leave it at that uh, as far as root's comment goes i think root got five wickets because, because they were trying to slog him uh, so his 5 for 8 is not really an indication of the fact that the pitch was bad really. i think it's it's you know like it's much noise or nothing and uh, people need
2: to move on you yeah. know that joe root five wicket hall brought back some bad memories for me <laughs> michael clark six for nine glad it didn't go that right. way
4: if any english cricketers who are on the store listening or indian cricketers for that matter um, you guys will do well to go ahead and listen to kp segment uh, where he talks to mark nicholas on Talksport, and it's available in podcast format and he talks in at length about how Dravid's email, you know, kind of helped him evolve how to play the left-arm spinner. So there is precedence to how to play left-arm spinners, with, you know, when the arm, when the arm ball is, you know, the your stock ball, sort of thing, right? Or not? Uh, or it plays on people's minds. So it's not like this is something new. And people have, you know, learned their weaknesses, worked on it, and evolved to, you know, eventually beating in in England, beating in India in India in 2012. So yeah, that it can be done.
1: You know, there was this fantastic insight by Kartike Dattay of the uh, uh, podcast he was on. And uh, he mentioned that English batsmen play uh, swing a certain way, right? So the the key is to play it late, close to the body, and play play the line of off stump, basically, to protect it. So you can't do that with spin. And a couple of dismissals, or more than a couple of dismissals in this test match, you could see that they were really unsure of what to do. So with spin, you have to be proactive with your feet and your hand. You can't hang back and wait for it to do something because you might get a pitch which is quick enough for you to not get time to do anything. So that was the problem with the English batsman. You have to treat the spinning ball as something you can't trust. So either you come fully forward and smother it, or you wait for it, hang back in the crease and then play. Now the pace of this pitch and the ball and the pace of Akshar Combined meant that you couldn't do that. It, it was very, very hard to do that, and that's why they lost out. And it's just, it's just a tough pitch. It's just that. So yeah.
2: You know, M- Mike helpfully pointed out that India actually won that game where uh, Clark picked uh, six for nine. I think I mixed up two games. This was in Australia where uh, he uh, Clark picked up a, a bunch yeah. of quick yeah. wickets three, and.
5: three. Wickets, <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one I was actually thinking of. See, that's how much I'm traumatized because that was painful. Because wasn't that also the game where Steve Buckner was the umpire and some really uh, questionable decisions? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, out?
4: I, I think India were threatening to pull out of the tour after that
2: controversial test yeah. match, and then. It was the monkey gating. Gate yeah, monkey
1: Gate was Gate. in the same test.
2: I think so. Good old days. That you know we don't get test series like that anymore. <laughs> uh, my only thought. Uh, I mean, you guys all shared some really good thoughts on the pitch, but my only thing that the only thing that I will add is Roy Sharma was probably the best batsman on this pitch, and that should tell everyone about the true nature of this pitch and how challenging it was. Uh, no, I'm not putting down Roy Sharma, just to be clear. I'm saying if Roy Sharma, who's notorious for his inconsistency or his so called inconsistency, if he can apply himself and and, and bat well, I think it's more an issue with batsmen rather than the pitch. You
1: know, I have to add here that Roy Sharma has completely transformed as a test player. Right. And he understands his batting very well now. And I would have been the last person to say this, you know, a couple of years ago. But he's performed well in a variety of conditions. He's done well in Australia. He weathered some nice opening spells by Pat Cummins and Hazelwood. He played exceptionally well in Chennai. Uh, he did well in this test match. So yeah, so he's he's really progressed. As a test batsman and as a batsman in general, and you can see that because he's really calm with himself. He's not he's not hitting those jailbreak shots to get out of tough situations, which he used to do in ODIs as well. But he's not doing that anymore. He's 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 at peace with where he is as a batsman, and his execution was always more than perfect. So he's become really good. And if it's coming from me, it should be like it. It it must be true because yeah.
2: I mean, he still has yeah, a way like to go. A long
1: time before this.
2: Yeah. yeah, he still has a way to go as, to improve his over test record compared to India. But I think, yeah, based on recent evidence, I think he's on the right track. Here at the Last Wicked, we have been focusing on the Indian Premier League lately, justifiably so, with the recently concluded auction on top of everyone's mind. This week, we are going to turn to a different direction and focus on another T20 league. The PSL has been Pakistan's premier T20 competition and features their fair share of domestic heroes and overseas stars. To talk about what sets it apart from other T20 leagues, we have with us Clive Azuido, who considers himself to be someone who loves writing about the numbers side of cricket. Apart from that, he has some firsthand experience having worked with the Islamabad United franchise. As part of their logistics and content team. So, Clive, welcome to the last Wicket.
5: Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to the discussion we do have.
2: Same here, Clive. Uh, you know, I, I have to mention, as an Indian, as an Indian cricket fan, I should say, I have zero knowledge about the PSL, and not because of what you know. What might be the most common reason um, it's, you know, everyone has different reasons, but for me, the biggest reason is lack of time. You know, um, there, apart from the in, in apart, apart from you know international cricket, the only T20 league that I follow is the IPL, um, and I would love to follow the PSL, the Big Bash, and other T20 competitions around the world, um, but there's just not enough time in the day. But obviously, like you know, following it on social media, and I have like you know Pakistani uh, friends and. Twitter followers, or you know, I follow people who tweet about the game, and you know, you get bits and pieces about what's going on in PSL. And a lot of the time, it's, it sounds really exciting, and I would really love to know more. And I'm sure there are many, you know, Indian cricket fans like me who, you know, who, who would love to know more, but you know, they need a good starting point, a reference point from where they can get that information. And since you have some expertise in that field, you know, we really love to have you on today. and to get that
0: information from you.
5: Yeah, sure. I'm actually looking forward to all of this because Pakistan Super League is like very unique league in the sense that it was it started very late. It just started in 2016. Now, this is the sixth season. Right. But by, at the time it was ahead of like it was ahead of the major leagues like BBL, CPL, uh, Bangladesh Premier League. So when Pakistan Super League started, it was way behind the other leagues in the world and they had to basically catch up. And they started off, they didn't even start it off in Pakistan. They had to start it off in UAE. So they had those, uh, you know, uh, teething issues, you could say, in the start of the league, but now it is a full-grown, proper league in their country back home.
2: I mean, it's it's gotten some good feedback from especially like foreign players, right? Because a lot of the uh, response from foreign players is that, well, Indian Premier League is, you know, great for batsmen and then Pakistan Super League is great for bowlers. And, you know, I would love to hear more about that uh, in this conversation.
1: Hi, Clive. Uh, So nice to finally chat after having chatted on Twitter and Reddit and WhatsApp for so many years. So I'll just start off with how did you get hired by a PSL team and uh, what has your experience been like as an Indian working for a PSL team? Uh, I've heard that there is warmth between people, uh, that is is, uh, hidden by all the vitriol and the politics. Is that true? Like, what have you felt over the times you worked there?
5: Okay, so basically, how I got this was uh, I was working, I I used to tweet a lot about Pakistan cricket, Pakistan Super League as well, because when I was working back in Sydney, yeah, uh, and I used to come back home, this was the only kind of cricket I could watch at that time. So this was, and it was even free to air, not free to air, but it was free streaming. So I could easily watch it, you know, and those games were very close. So I used to tweet a lot about Pakistan cricket. And growing up in UE, I used to watch Pakistan cricket here and there. So then one day uh Rehan called me. He's the general manager of Islamabad United and he's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the season is coming up. So do you want, like, do you like want to do some work with us? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So that is how I got into Islamabad United in the first place. And then about the next thing, like, you know, the warmth of the Pakistani people, like, see, so growing up here, like I've met a lot of Pakistanis, I've grown up with a lot of Pakistanis. So I have always felt like they are the like as they are similar to us. Like, uh, if you look at it in the bubble, right? Like, if you're in in India, you don't meet Pakistani. So, you think they are very different. But when you you go outside, like, when I've come here, like, when I was here, when I, this, you kind of, like, never understand what's the reason why you hate them. And obviously, it happens that between India and Pakistan matches, obviously, something comes out and all that. And some people are there, obviously, both sides of the borders. But still, I think that the Pakistani people, especially towards me they were very friendly and when i said when i told them that i would love to come to pakistan so many people were more than willing to like you know if you ever do come just come you can come stay in my house you don't need to stay in a hotel and something Mm -hmm. like that so they were very friendly people and very welcoming so that is what like i really felt like you know at place at home over there working with these guys
1: wonderful
3: so the one comment I'll uh, sort of echo, you know, what Clive was mentioning was and, and, you know, initially I also did not have, you know, staying in India, growing up there, a lot of exposure to Pakistani people. But in the U.S., the cricket that I've played, I've come across so many Pakistani players and, and, and you know, club cricketers is what I mean when I say players, but, uh, you know, people in general. And they've been so warm and so welcoming. And I had this the first team that I played for in Chicago. Actually, was a completely Pakistani team and had what 15 people who were all from Pakistan or, you know, of Pakistani origin. And I was the only Indian, and they made me feel so much at home and uh, so comfortable that I, I completely, you know, strongly feel that all these politics and all the news is BS. And as such, people get along really,
5: really well. Yeah. Like, um, I've always uh, thought, you know, that um, this all is like, uh because we don't understand the other person, we have not met them much, okay, it's like obviously if you're in the dark, then anyone can make up stories about them or anyone can, you know, like, speak anything about them but if you're like, have this some sort of like close connection, okay, uh, then you kind of understand where they come from as well, like, at least growing up over here, I used to play cricket, I used to bond with my, I had this one Pakistan, I used to bond with him over in the start because of IPL, like, because he used to support Kolkata, I used to support Bombay and that's how, you know, we used to like argue a lot about IPL. So just imagine yes, we have come from there to now the state, which we are in India, where we have constant hate. That is not something which I support and I'll never support it. But that is, you know, just such an unreasonable hate you have. Because, and even now when I watch the PSN, okay, there are so many people, you know, who just like mock me. They're asking why you're watching a second-class league, why you're watching, they say like a lot of hurtful things. And I don't think so that is justified on any level because at the end of the day, these guys are cricketers as well. Okay, they are earning, they are playing cricket. They they love the game as much as us. So at least if you can't like respect them on that fundamental level that they are as, uh, you know, cricket lovers as much as us. Okay, then I don't think so. You know, you understand the point of cricket or humanity or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, that's well said.
5: Yeah, Clive,
4: I can relate to all of the points you mentioned here and all of others points here as well, like I spent most of my growing years in Kuwait where I, you know, uh, met and, you know, spent time with Pakistanis. And I still remember playing cricket in the backyard with the tape ball. And whatever you hear about Pakistani bowlers and their ability with the tape ball, it is 100% true. Now, I'm not in any way qualified to like be a good batsman or anything, but boy, they were lethal with the tape balls.
5: Yeah, they were uh, something else like you, I, you are a fellow golf kid, so you would realize that, right? Like, there were something unique and different about... Like, they used to actually... I used to play with uh, some, you know, like, Pakistani men who were, like, 10, 15 years elder to me. And the way they used to swing the ball was incredible. Like, and I used to ask them how they were, like, uh, you know, there's some tricks and all. I can't teach you about it and all that. But it was unbelievable how, how good they were and all.
2: Yeah. Well, let, let's talk about the... PSL. You know, unfortunately cricket for a long time was out of Pakistan since 2008 and you know it was held outside of the country until recently and it, you know, only I think was it this year or last year, uh, they started holding the games back in Pakistan.
5: So they started host- hosting the games back in 2017 they started one by one so the fir- 2017 okay. they had the final. 2018, they had like four games. 2019, they had around 11, 12 games, and the last season and this season was entirely is entirely being held in Pakistan. That is
2: that is so weird for me because obviously uh, as Indian fans or any other country fans, we cannot identify with that feeling where you know games are not being held in your own country. I'm just wondering, you know, like from what you have, I don't know, maybe talked with other like Pakistani fans or Pakistanis, how how has that been, you know, where you know, they haven't had cricket in Pakistan for a long time. And for them to, you know, ha- for that, that entire period when cricket was not there in Pakistan, and then for them to get the game back in their own country. Uh, how, what has that meant for people?
5: So I, I used to talk, you know, with like a lot of my uh, the friends, like the colleagues over there, and I used to ask them, you know, like, how much will it like change? Like, because you most of the revenue is coming from broadcasting. Okay, I would be like, So does it really matter if it's being held anywhere? They were like, no, like if you go back to Pakistan, our opportunities increase multiple folds. You have more sponsors, you have fans coming in, the gate receipts are there. And he's like, frankly speaking, okay, like even though UE has been such a generous host to us, we don't feel like we are playing at home, right? Like because you are playing in this ground which has been given to you and most of the times the stadiums are empty. Because it's the matches started, even though the matches are friendly according to UAE times, you know, fans would never show up because, for first of all, Dubai Stadium is very far from the city. So, transport was an issue. Then Charger Stadium is there, but the matches get over too late. So, there were not many fans. And I've talked to some players, they were like, if we go back to Pakistan, I'm sure there's no way, okay, that we won't have... Uh, a full house in every match so they were looking forward to that and obviously pakistani fans i have talked to them as well they have been looking so f- looking forward that their league is they like obviously they now support their teams like you have a karachi supporter Lahore supporter islamabad supporter so they want to see their teams at home they have they are done supporting their team like imagine for 6 7 years you're supporting your country on the tv you have never seen them live and yeah. a lot of these lot of these kids grow, uh, kids growing up okay now they have more heroes uh, perspective, because um, I talked to one like I've seen at times. You know, at hotels when these players go out and these players interact with the kids, and it makes a kid's days. Imagine that yeah. missing of a kid's life growing in Pakistan. Like he never gets to see see his heroes live in front of him. Because when you're watching it on TV, you have this perception that you know they are unreal. Like they may, maybe they are not humans or something like. But when you watch it in person, you are like, oh look, I've seen they're doing it. I I think I, if they can do it, maybe even I can do it. Something like that is going on in their head. So that is the major missing part that all this went missing for so long. It obviously hurt Pakistan. It hurt Pakistan massively on revenue fronts, on a lot of uh, they lost lot of like you know fan falling at one point. Not fan falling in the sense, but fans kind of started getting disillusioned with the game after a while. You can't see. They I think never you lose that.
2: like that connection right? like lose that connection between players. I mean, we are talking about fans. I'm assuming even for the players, it must have felt strange forever playing away from home, playing in front of, you know, like foreign crowds or like in other countries or neutral grounds and just missing that connection of like having your home fans cheer you on. And I can see how that really tests the connect, especially if the Pakistan team is not doing well in international cricket, I can yeah. see how that connection or that bond between fans and players get really tested. So that that must have been really hard, too, for players as well.
5: Yeah, see, the, from the player side, like uh, Mizba has even spoken about it, you know, that uh, people say UE has been a, you know, de facto home. Okay, that's not the case. First of all, you, uh, ICC doesn't give, these are pitches you basically loan, right? You loan the ground out. So you can't make pitches according to your terms and conditions. Okay, those pitches are given to you, and you have to make your team. So even though it's like an uh, it's a home game for Pakistan, it is as away as it is for the opposition as well for them technically. So you don't get the home advantage. Okay, and on top of that, you are staying in a hotel for like a good period of two three months. So suppose you have like tours, countries coming in you're basically in the hotel for four months. Out of that, you have to tour outside. That's another four or five months. So, you're not not back home in Pakistan, okay? Even though Pakistan is not that far from India, but far from, sorry, Pakistan is not that far from UAE, but there's still, there's something called, you know, like playing home comforts is there. That is not available to these guys when playing in UAE. So, that is what even affected the players as well. But, Uh, there's a reason why they said when the lockdown came that Pakistani players would be best suited because they are used to these conditions. They they know how to play with no fans. They know how to play, you know, staying within a bubble and all that. So that is what is, they have been like trained now to play this kind of cricket now.
1: So yeah, so let's talk about the cricket now. So uh, you're a keen thinker of T20. You write on T20 cricket. You follow the IPL ardently as well. So I wanted to chat about how the IPL and the PSL are different. And specifically in uh, three ways, right? So firstly, I've heard that the PSL is a bowling league versus the IPL being a batting league. So that's the first part. Then uh, you know that in the IPL, you have certain roles that are best played by the local that, right? Uh, the spinners, the top or the batsmen are the local talent and the Pacers and so on are foreigners. Uh, how is that different in the PSL? And the third thing I wanted to uh, talk about is how is a draft different from an auction? Like, what sort of dynamics do you see in a draft that you don't see in the auction?
5: Okay, so first I'll answer the bowling-centric part of it. So when uh, the IPL, sorry, when PSL was being played in UAE, we have seen in the IPL as well before that. It you know like the uh, scoring was not that uh, in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. The scoring was not that high, like compared to Sharjah. So when PSL came to uh, Pakistan, uh, sorry to UAE, that time this uh, you know it was more bowling-friendly pitches, and you're getting it in February where they are. Pitches have been played on for the whole season almost. So the pitches are right. huge. They are pretty much huge. And all these players, like, basically, they get, like, a, they work on huge pitches. So you don't get many high-scoring games over there. And ballers play a much more important part. That is being changing a bit now that it's come to Pakistan because Pakistan has very flat and true pitches. But still, you would notice that the ballers, okay, play a major role in some games here in uh, Pakistan as well. So that is one thing, like, it's, it's more balling-centric. In the in talent wise, I'm going to say because there are a lot of Pakistani ballers, okay, and that is not available like right. in, in India. It's more like you know, you go for the overseas ballers. That leads on to the second question like, what roles, okay, which uh, park, uh is there spe- you know, overseas specific roles? So the wicketkeeper, keeper batsman and top orders batsman is like very heavily goes to the Overseas players. So, yeah, someone like a Ben Dunk. So, Islamabad has Phil Salt. They had Lou Kronky before that. They had Brad Haddon. They had Sam Billings. Yeah. Then all these players, because the lack of Pakistani wicket keepers, proper T20 batting uh, keepers as well, is not there. You have like a Kamran Akmal who performed for a while before that. But after that, there's Sarfraz Ahmed. And then there's Rizwan. And Rizwan also, prior to his golden run now, he was still a mediocre T20 batsman. So, uh, like last season, he played only one game for the defending champions, Karachi Kings. So, there's not much of talent. So, that's why, you know, teams usually go for an overseas wicketkeeper batsman. And that way, they even try to go for overseas, uh, you know, top-order batsmen. So, that's why you have Alex Hales. Then you have like someone like Tom Collar, Kadamore. All these guys coming up in the league. So, that is what is like, I feel that, while IPL has local top-order batsmen, PSL has to go towards, you know, overseas top-order top, or top order batsmen because yeah, it's basically how the country works, right? Like, they don't have proper batting talent. So that is where I think they look. And that is how drafts and all work. You try to cover your weaknesses and all. Yeah, and this is what I've... Uh, the draft and auction dynamic, which I've always been saying that IPL should go towards a draft kind of style. Even though, you know, I really... Personally, I find the auction very entertaining. Okay. But the draft, like, so what happens basically is the PSL, you have eight retentions, so you can pick 18 players, but you have eight retentions before the draft. So when you get your eight retentions done, you can select along multiple categories, wherever, suppose you want three platinum players, you can select three platinum. But what happens is then you're basically stuck with your, you know, how to select players here and there. So, what happens in the draft is that now when the eight retentions are out, all the teams kind of have an idea which players other teams are going to go for. So, that is where the draft is much more clear because there are certain combinations. Players can look, like teams can look at it, you know. If you can't get your first choice, you might get your second or third choice for sure because it's a sneak round. It's not like you can't sit back in an auction. You can sit back Uh, in an auction of Mumbai Indians if he doesn't want to, participate in the first round, He can they can sit back. But in the draft, you have to make your pick whenever your turn comes. So that is where I think right. the draft is much more flexible than the auction. And and c- compared to that, like oh, I hope, there was this thing that, you know, the teams like IPL has become very data intensive right now. So there's mm-hmm. some reasoning behind all these auction picks. Okay, while in the draft, PSL at the start was not that data intensive. But over right. the years, we have seen teams you know, become, go heavily based on data. Like Islamabad United was, they have two guys basically who were, they said they use the numbers to make their picks, to make informed picks. Multan Multan Sundance last year had a tie-up with Crick and that's how they got their uh, uh, one of the best PSL sides according to me. So that's how they got, so that is how the draft, you know, enables these teams because in even in drafts you can have this like, you know, local or overseas players, very good value picks and well. So that's where I feel just if even if IPL would give draft a chance, it would have been
1: better. So it's almost like a complement to the IPL, right? Everything is like what you don't do in the IPL, you do in the PSL. So like bowling friendly, local mm-hmm. talent is bowlers, overseas mm-hmm. talent is top order batsmen. So it's very interesting. It,
5: yeah, it's that, very
1: interesting it's to it's follow
5: it's it. That way. It's like a complete opposite of the IPL if you look at it that way.
2: Do captains have a say in like what kind of players to go for during the draft?
5: Uh, like i think usually some captains do have a say because uh there's ob- uh, like most of the teams have like you know some backroom management stuff. but i'm sure pretty much uh they ha- they do take the captain in confidence before making picks like this season okay i think uh, shahab khan he had a lot of say in the islamabad United's picks he was even there present at the draft and he was making uh, he was giving a lot of the interviews after during uh, in between the draft uh, rounds. So he was giving a lot of interviews that we were looking at this deal because he can add value and all that. So I think Captain Zhu have even Imad Wasim and uh, last there was a while when Mohammed Dafiz was captain of Laur Kalandas. Even he used to have a lot of a say in the draft. So I'm sure that uh, the Captain Ju have a lot of say.
2: I really hope uh, Sarfra, Sarfra Zamad is, is given some say because he seems to be perpetually angry on the field. What are your thoughts on that?
5: Yeah. Uh, so I've talked to Safra Emad, you know, like in the hotel and all, and he's a very nice guy. Like he's very polite, very humble, and all that. But when he whenever he goes on the field, I don't know what happens to him. Like <laughs> he becomes like a complete opposite. Like I've I just I was talking to someone the other day. I was like, why is he like this? Like he's such a nice guy and he talks to you with so much utmost respect, you know, like yeah. he gives you so much respect. And then I was like, why is this guy so nice off the field? And why is he like this on the field? Like, what is he doing on the field? And then I have like no answer, basically. Maybe he's like too competitive and all that. But he doesn't like people. Like, uh, I've, I've heard that he doesn't like people doing silly mistakes on the ground. Like, there's a set plan and all that. He's like, you follow your set plan and we'll win always every game. But that's not how cricket works, right? There are times that your set plans also go to... A toss.
2: Yeah, I, f- I feel like that's an a whole nother topic for discussion mm-hmm. about like how captains need to guide their players. Because I see that here, we play club cricket here where I live, and sometimes the captains they're very vocal in their displeasure or disappointment with someone, and it doesn't help team morale because the opposition players can see that you're rattled, and mm-hmm. I feel like they get extra, you know, confident, whereas. The team who's getting the brunt of it from the captain, I feel like their morale gets affected. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing his team is not doing too well right now.
5: Yeah, his team uh, are right now bottom of the table. They have lost three games, uh, okay. three out of three games. So yeah, and even last season, they didn't perform well. They were the they were fifth out of six teams. So yeah, and leave that all that aside, Sarfraz is under immense pressure as well because he was let go of the Pakistani captaincy. He came back to the side, and that too. Also, many people said that he came back to the side because teams were taking, you know, like an extended squad because of the COVID bubble. So, you, so because of that bubble, you get like you're taking more players than you actually need. So, there are people who are saying Safaraz was picked only because of that. If there was no COVID, there was no Safaraz as well in the squad. And now that Rizwan is also doing well, there, there's huge pressure on him to, you know, make like, what are you doing?
2: Yeah. Okay.
5: What are you, when are you going to step up now? And that's right. why he is like opening, opening for Quetta, coming in the top four and all that. So all that I think that pressure is more. I think it's more that pressure showing right now on him because even, even in when he was, not, even when he was captain, he was you should be this vocal. But in the last three games, his behavior on the field is a bit shocking to say the least.
2: I mean, especially I feel like the brunt of his, you know, uh, ire, so to speak, are younger players, right? like younger, inexperienced players. I mean, and speaking of which, you know, in India, the IPL has kind of helped bring many unknown or emerging players to the fore as far as public perception is concerned. That's the PSL, you know, does it do something similar? Has it brought to attention, you know, some young shining talents in Pakistan?
5: So, so the, what the PSL, right, they have this thing called the emerging player pick. So you always have to have one emerging player in your playing 11. Yeah. so so when you go to the draft you have two two picks of emerging players so you either pick a under 21 player or you pick a player from your talent hunt and those two players go into your emerging ground and you have to play one of these two players in your 11 regardless you have to play these one of these two players so that you know what basically happens is that these teams now are more focused on you know even scouting for like hidden players so that is why you have someone like heather ali even though he was the under-19 captain for Pakistan, he he was a big pick because as an emerging player, he showed that what he can perform. And um, he has done well in last PSL, this PSL as well. He even made his debut for Pakistan. Then I'll I name some players. There's Hassan Ali, who was an emerging player. There was Sadab Khan, emerging player. Then you have Shaheen Chafriti, who was an emerging player. You have someone like Mohammed uh, Imran, who's the Zalmi emerging player. So, what happens is that, you know, fans are also more involved, okay? They they also are trying to look at emerging players who could, you know, help improve their side in the coming season or, you know, be future picks of Pakistan. And all these emerging players have gone on to play for Pakistan at some stage or the other. So, that is why I think that, you know, PSL has gone out of the way. Like, IPL, after a few years, IPL started focusing on younger players, but PSL has made sure that, the, that even younger players benefit early on on the league stage. There's one interesting story of Hassan Ali. So when Hassan Ali started off, right? So he came, he was bowling well. He And uh, Peshawar Zalmi sent him for the press conference. And one of the reporters said, uh, who is he? Okay. And he, he got pretty embarrassed. Like yeah. he was first of all embarrassed. Even though he balled well that day, he was not man of the match. But he was pretty embarrassed that why am I here? And all that. So, he didn't say anything. He answered the questions and all. But he, he kept that in his mind. The next uh, next game, he got a man-of-the-match performance. And then he came. And that same journalist asked him a question. And then he said, are you happy to have me here now? And <laughs> that is what basically... That's still very polite of him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is actually very polite. But that is what, you know, like, if uh, Hassan Ali would have never gotten a chance if there was no emerging pick. So, these kind of picks, you know, make sure that your emerging players pay and you, they you put them under the pressure of the PSL and you push them to perform
2: is there any new player that you're excited about who's still not kind of made a big name just yet but someone who's kind of in the sidelines and you think is really going to make a name for himself
5: okay so from this season sorry i'm going to talk about this season we have uh, mohammed Vasim junior he's a he's a fast bowler and a hard hitting all-rounder Abdul Razak, as one point said, that he's the fastest bowler in the domestic scene of Pakistan. So he's someone I'm actually looking forward to because he can bat a bit as well. His batting is the asset as well. So he's someone who can easily come up for the Pakistan team. Then there's this Shah Nawaz Dahani, who is from he was playing for Multan Sultans and he's from uh Sin. And he has been he has been really quick. Like if you see some of his videos and see some of his bowling in this PSN, he balls really quick. So, these are the two names, you know, I'm actually looking forward to, like, you know, make a step for Pakistan because uh, Pakistan, if you we, we look at the shine Shafri, he's been bowling consistently and I think it's fair time that you give that guy some rest and, you know, try and at least find out your backup options or look at youngsters of the future. There's even Naseem Shah as well uh, and yeah. Mohamed Aslan. Naseem yeah. Shah is well-known and Mohammed Aslam also, also. Both these guys have played for Pakistan, but these guys are still, I think, not made at upper level. They are still, like, there's still like, you know, question marks about, you know, their, you know, suitability for the international level. And I think these two guys are very young. So it's just a matter of time till they actually, you know, crack the code of international cricket and make it there.
2: Pakistan will never lack for uh, a good fast bowler. I think that much is clear. I don't know for how much longer, but uh, I I can't remember the last time they did not have a quality fast bowler.
5: Yeah, that's, they was, they they do like batsmen, but... Fast bowlers, you'll see every every season someone or the other has right. a proper fast bowler in their setup and a new one. And even though they might disappear after a while, but they have like a proper, you know, like a tram, a train of like fast bowlers coming through at every level.
2: I remember this under 19 woke up uh, a long time ago. Anwar Ali, I think I'm getting the name right. Like in the final against <laughs> India, he <laughs> was. When was
3: 2006, it? 2006 when I think Piyush Chavla was in the, in the India's 11 and I think Pakistan got bowled out for 109 or something and India looked comfortable until they got bowled out for 93 or he was He,
2: he or something. was swinging the ball like crazy and I was like he's going to become a great fast bowler and then I don't know where he is but there's always someone else in line and someone else to take a step up so… Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, so we were talking that day about the Pakistani media and uh, their attitude towards the PSL. And you were telling me that they don't cover it at all and they don't pay heed to it. What's the deal with that?
5: So, no, the Pakistani media, they actually cover the PSL, but they don't cover the cricket aspect of it, right? Like, they look at the controversial aspects of it. Like, I've uh-huh. seen, uh, so I've been at times, you know, at the press conferences and all that. And it's very weird at how que- how they ask questions. Like, there was this one match, where, you know, where Baba Azam and uh, Kora they were batting really well and all that. But there was this uh, point where you had to ask a question that they were you had, like, you were, you were only one wicket down. Okay, you have six overs to go. You have a lot of hard-hitting batsmen left. Why were you still knocking about? So, I don't understand why you couldn't ask that question. Mm-hmm. They were asking the question of, okay, what did you tell Babar in the middle that time? What were you, okay, what was Babar? what was the, you know, rift between Babar and one of the players and all that. And I don't understand how is that relevant to your discussion or to the cricket being played, right? Like, at least stick to the point and all. And someone like, I, I eventually got someone, you know, to ask that question. And uh, like, Mickey Arthur was really surprised. And Mickey Arthur genuinely told the guy, like, I'm surprised that you're asking such a question, okay? And that fellow got uh, that fellow got taken aback and obviously, and then he was like, uh, no, no, it's a good question. But um, then he explained the whole understanding behind that. And the thing is like our cricket cultures, right? Like India and Pakistan, both, they don't look at, you know, the de- deeper level of the game. The thinking is very basic surface level. So like, suppose if you open with an Akshar, like in the recent test, if you open with an Akshar, if that move backfired, okay, Are we going to ask questions? What was the thinking? What was the thought process behind behind it? We might not get an answer, but at least they'll be they will give some idea about it, right? We won't get the full answer, but there's some idea. I think if you as a media person don't give you know fans that basic level of cricket understanding, okay, then the fans are never going to learn and they're never going to appreciate. Otherwise, they're just going to keep thinking that these players are hack and it's a very easy game to crack for these guys. They're just not working hard enough to crack. When I know all these players are really hard working and they really want to like do well but there are times it doesn't work for you guys and it's because it's down to planning and all which right. is not discussed much and one more thing which I uh, which really annoys me is that the way Crickinfo, buzz or you know these big websites cover the PSL is because I've seen if you guys must have seen uh, when uh, IPL is on the Crickinfo has like a pre-match show they have an auction analysis show they have a post-match show, they have a mid-inning show okay So, you have so much coverage for the IPL. It's not really hard. Like, I'm not asking you to make those shows and I don't think so. the Pakistani fans will be interested in in those shows as well. But at least, you know, you can have a draft analysis show. You can at least make it accessible to the fans and the fans keep on asking. Like, there was this long thread this one guy put out on Twitter some days back. What is the difference? Aren't we cricket lovers as well? Okay, why can't you pay, give us as much attention as you you give to IPL? Because the, I think the day before the PSL started, the IPL auction is happening. And this one guy said that PSL is starting and we have had only one tweet about it from the Click and Fire account. While IPL, they have already tweeted six, seven times about IPL teams. So how is that? on them and i think that's a very valid point you can ask because if you are a cricket website at least do the like you know basic decency of covering a league which is starting very soon
2: especially if it's yeah. it's pretending to be an international cricket website right i get it if it's if it's particularly focused towards indian cricket audiences i have no complaints do all of that mm. but if you want a wider reach a global reach which is definitely what both those sites are trying to do then you're right i think it's definitely something needed you know what next year, Clive, if they don't do it, let's let's do it. We'll, uh, you can partner with the last wicket, and we'll do like a
4: (laughs) pre-show. I I just had a comment to add regarding the, you know the surface level question is that most reporters I'm not gonna throw every reporter under the bus here. It's because you have to work backward, right? Or from their perspective, they are driven by not cricketing motives to ask questions. They are driven by like, you know that if they can irk a player who's just, you know coming after a defeat or something and get a reaction out of him that's their you know viewer count going up right and if yeah. that drives your questions then you know that's fundamentally wrong right and that's why we don't really focus on the process or the thought process you know even if regardless of the results right the outcome is immaterial when you're thinking about thought process right hmm. so if as long as you get an you know an irritated reaction from say Safra's or whoever right like um, like Ashwin today Recent t- today, this morning, I guess it was an interview. Yeah. And he kind of like, you know, had a moment where he didn't really appreciate the presumption in the question and he answered honestly, right? And that's going to increase viewer- viewership. So if that's what driving your numbers, then we're never going to get sort of like, you know, deep dive questions that we can ask in this medium here.
5: Yeah, that's actually a very good point because yeah, I, I saw the question, here, uh, you know, reply you're talking about. And yeah, like if that's what works and suits the board, that is what you're always going to get. But that's a vicious cycle. Like, I genuinely think... Because Australian media doesn't mind asking players these questions. And the players love answering these questions as well. Okay? So, if you can... If not, at least get... Like, some people should be able to ask. I think the cricket for guys do ask them at times. Okay? But I've... It's mostly missing... At least in the Pakistani media, it's mostly missing or absent.
1: That's how media works in India and Pakistan, right? You get the sensationalist bites and then you have (laughs) shows like ke form Kudas and so on. That's how media works. That's how they want.
3: That's
1: what they want from it's unfortunate, but yeah.
3: So I guess um, that's that's really interesting because I, I can still somewhat see like international media doing that, but you know, it's it's pretty shocking to see that even Pakistani media does that. Um but sort sort of going more into the PSL itself, uh, you know, I I don't follow the BBL a lot, but I keep reading about these you know rules that they have, whether it's the power surge or bash boost and and all of that. Um, anything specific in the PSL? And I know you already mentioned you know one emerging player has to be in the eleven, which is pretty awesome. Uh,
5: but anything other like rule-wise, which they've modified, anything interesting that uh, comes to mind? No, the PSL doesn't have any major. They are like pretty much gun gun barrel straight with T20 rules. They have not changed anything except the emerging player pick. They don't have any other rules. But, you know, like that being said, I think that the power surge was a good addition in the BBL, okay? And I wouldn't mind that being, you know, taken around other leagues in the world. So, if PSL is able to do that first, then fair. And another rule I would personally want is one baller being able to ball five overs. Like, I would love that <laughs> actually because that Changes the whole dynamics of the game.
3: I think you're just thinking about Bumrah bowling five for Mumbai, yeah. man. I don't <laughs> oh, just, uh,
5: just imagine that. <laughs> up, no, team.
3: I mean, I would be okay with that if that is extended to India as well. Then I'm Bumrah yeah. <laughs> uh, Mumbai but, uh, don't
1: need Bumrah to bowl five overs. They're also. okay. That's, <laughs> that's all.
3: <laughs> but so that sort of brings me to uh, a bigger question that I've always had about T20s. And, you know, I've always believed that since it's been a smaller version of the game, it's going to be very crucial to expanding the game up, uh, uh, you know, past these whatever 15 odd nations that play it a lot and are passionate about it. Um, so I've always thought of, you know, adapting these rules in a way that it becomes either more attractive to the crowd or like enhances some specific skill. And I know in the U.S. like they have March Madness, which is different from NBA. And they have these slightly different rules, which makes March Madness extremely exciting um, and, you know, unpredictable. So what are your thoughts about that? And really, it's not specifically a question for PSL, but T20 cricket in general. And what do you think can be done apart from you already mentioned the five over for one bowler rule, uh, which can, you know, make this game one exciting
5: and also maybe help players focus on uh, honing one specific skill. Yeah. So, uh, the thing which I have, like, a lot of T20 leagues are happening right now is like, it's becoming a very, you know, chase friendly, like, if you win the toss and you decide to chase, then you're more likely to win the match. And I don't know how you could, you know, like, bring that back into balance, at least make it 55, uh, 45% at least to the, bat because, the PSL now we have had ten games and all ten teams are won by teams chasing. They have won the toss. They have decided to bat first and they have so decided to chase and then go on and chase the total. irrespective. so I don't know what you could do that. Maybe you could uh, do something different on the sense that um, in the se- if you are bowling for if you are uh, balling in the second innings, you can have like you can have a player change or something like that. Like you are allowed an extra player maybe or something like that because I think it is too unfair on the team batting first on how obviously you know there'll be calls that the team batting first has to adapt but i don't see this going for a long time away that you know chasing teams are going to benefit from this because chasing teams are you know himanish has put i've written a lot of articles about it as well that chasing teams are more aware of their resources and they know how to like allocate their resources for chasing down so I don't think so there's anything we can do to change that, but that is one thing that is one like huge issue I I want to be addressed as soon as possible because T20 cricket is more nuanced than just, you know, like win, toss, chase, and then you win the match. There's a lot more thinking and I would like to see that, you know, being played, I want it to be a battle of, you know, skill more than luck.
3: Definitely, definitely agree. I, I personally have always felt similar about T20 cricket where, um, it's, it's the reason why, like, out of the three formats, usually it interests me the least is because I feel that balance is probably the worst and, and um, you know, I've read some interesting proposals from having only seven batsmen allowed to bat or, uh, you know, things like that as well has been proposed, which is, you know, obviously sounds radical, but hey, we're coming up on the 100, so we never know what's, what's going to happen next.
4: So, Clive, let me just pick your brain on this one, right? So, Islamabad United have uh, Yon Bota and Said Asmail as their leadership team, right? And both these players, or both these former players, were maverick spinners during their playing days, right? Can you kind of like touch upon how um, their influence across the Islamabad United side, especially with Sadaf Khan and um, um, Fawad Ahmed as their spinners?
5: Yeah. So. I never have never got the opportunity to work with Yohan Bota because he was not when I joined he was not part of the coaching setup. But I've worked with Saeed Ajmal and Saeed Ajmal is one of the you know the most uh, you know funny guys you can be around. He's he's one of the guys you know who lifts up team spirits and all because after every loss you know he comes and he cracks a joke and he's always like you know looking to pick players up and you know like. Uh, you know pump them up and all that but one thing uh so i've seen him in the net session and he's always you know he's like variations you can have some variations here and they're good enough but you need to you be smart about them like you he's like uh, cricket basically you have to outthink the b- batsman the batsman is there okay he's b- going to blindly go after you in a t20 match what are what variations are you going to use to you know outthink him and he basically, you know, looks on the players on that thinking level of the game. Like, he's someone like, I, I the amount of jokes he cracked, I never thought that he would be someone, you know, I he would be very serious. But I've seen him actually, you know, talk to players and say that this guy is attacking you. What is going to be your thought process now? You get hit for a six. What are you going to do now? Are you going to like attack more or are you going to go defensive? And if you're going to go defensive, what's your field and all that. So that is the question she keeps on asking. And that is, I think, a right way of coaching because you can't tell a player to do something. You need to make the player think. Because once you get get on the field, right, you are, you are basically left on your own tools. So you have to at least get on that level key. How am I going to approach this? Because there's no one else going to come. There's no one better than you to know what you're going to ball. And there's no one better than you to know how you're going to ball to a plan you have set. So that is what, you know, Saeed Ajmal used to push that. Yeah, fine, fine, fair enough. This has happened to you. What are you going to do to counter this now? What are you going to do to help yourself and get back into the game?
2: Clive, did uh, Saeed Ajmal get over the Sachin Tendulkar LBW decision in
5: 2011? I've wanted to ask that so many times. Okay. And I wanted to ask, like, even Mizbah was a captain, right? So I wanted to ask him also so many times. But, you know, they warned me, they were like, if you want to be, like, happier, okay? Yeah. And just, let just let it go. Don't even Forget about it it. <laughs> yeah. Don't even bring it up.
3: Yeah, I think uh, what I was thinking about was, you mentioned, you know, that's the right way to coach. And that's so true because I've, I've spent, uh, as a person who works in corporate America, I've spent a lot of time reading books about how to lead people and mentor people and all of that. And that's one of the key things that they mentioned. Don't tell them what to do. Ask them questions so that they can form their strategy. And so it sounds like, you know, Ajmal understands that. And, and he knows that, you know, it's not about him saying, I did this in 2014 and this is how it worked. And this is why you should do that. Instead, he's saying, what, what can you do? What is your strength to adjust to this? So that, that sounds like a very solid coach in that sense.
5: No, but the thing is, you know, if the players don't get an, don't have an answer, or you know, if they if they give an answer which is going to be like wrong, he tells him like if what do you think about this? And he gives I think he gives them their plan or he gives them like a counter. So then those players also start thinking about it. So, but basically, his motive is that you know get these players thinking for themselves because I am not going to be there on the ground to help them out.
4: Right. Yeah, sense. absolutely, that makes sense. Yeah can't have any sort of like helicopter coaching rate, just like parenting, I guess. So yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Okay, uh, my next question here that I have um, is, you know, um, as we all, most of us know here that Dean Jones was an integral part of Islamabad United, right? Uh, And he had two successful seasons um, leading them to title wins. Sadly, last year he passed away um, in Mumbai. Um, And, you know, I think sometime last year or um, before then, there was a video of him um, I think Rehan shared the WhatsApp uh, snapshot of him, you know, kind of like rallying the team to kind of um, work to uh, raise some money for Asif Ali's uh, terminal, terminally ill daughter. So that kind of like shows a very uh, human nature of Dean Jones, right? Did you ever have a chance to work with him? And yes, could you like talk about his influence on the side?
5: Yeah, so I've worked with him and he's like, you know, one of those uh, guys, you know, like very like fun loving and all that. Like so, he would always like uh, always. He would always tell these guys, okay, that uh, I'm going to play golf today, so I'm going to join you guys straight at the ground for training sessions and all that. And he used to hate coming to Sharjah for training sessions because basically you can't like go play golf and come straight to the ground or to Sharjah ground for practice. So he was he used to be like, oh, why you're playing in Sharjah? You know, right? You can play in Dubai. I can join you guys straight from golf and all that. So he used to love playing golf. That is one thing which I. One to get take away And then he used to always like once there was this, you know, there's this thing called you know scenario planning, scenario, scenario sessions and all that. So basically they you put these like your death ballers and your death batsmen and tell them that you have to score 60, how the ballers are going to defend, how the batsmen are going to chase it down. So he gives them scenarios like that. So once I was sitting on this uh, sitting with him on the side, he's like, What do you think is going to happen? Then um I was like, obviously, like I was explaining that the ballers are good. I think the ballers will take it. He's like, yeah, but you do you know that this guy has a in slight injury? He might not be able to fulfill this ball properly. And I was like, really? And then he was like, yeah. He's like, just watch it. Okay, just watch this hole over and you'll see that he won't ball it even once. So I watched it and that guy never balled. He's like, these are the small, small things you need to pick. Okay, he's like, suppose if he, players have injuries, you don't like. That is why we never talk about our injuries. Uh, or sometimes if a player does have an injury, it is not bought out in public. And all that because it's it's like a hidden advantage of giving away that is one thing, uh, he told me. And I remember once, so Islamabad Lahore Coloners had this like what thrilling super over match, and which we won in the end. So Andrew Russell came out and he finished it with a six. So when these guys were going down, and I told him, Coach, well done. And he's like, Dude, okay, these guys are insane. Huh? they have balls of steel. And I was like. And then I was, and then you know, and then I was like really shocked. He's like, man, I can never do what this guy does. Seriously, crazy player, crazy player, and all that. And he was like really pumped and excited about it. So then, uh, that is one like, all, he was always looking for like you know joy in these small things and all that. And he would never ever fire players. Like he would always you know have a chat with them, go to the side, talk to them. He would if they are like you know the younger players, he would get like someone like Rehan or Chima on the side, you know. Like, let's talk to him, like, may, make him understand. Maybe maybe I might come across rude, but you might be able to come across in a better tone to him and all that. So he was that. And that human side of that. So that Asaf Ali story, that whole thing, when he was going down, he was going through a lot personally and all that. And we as a team, we saw it. And a lot of these media people kept questioning Asaf Ali's in the Pakistan side because the World Cup was coming up, right? So there were real questions about him being picked for the Pakistan side so they kept asking him about if he'll be picked they were i remember they were you know fans at the grounds you know they were uh, you know like basically uh, you know harassing him or you know abusing him and all that and when you are a player you have like a lot of personal like I, that's one thing fans never get is like a player also has a lot of like a personal life outside the game and when you harass them they, it does affect them it does affect them mentally or somehow it does affect them and asif was going through a lot so, he would never speak this up, but when he when, when he came back to Pakistan, he used to go to the hospital and all that. So, Dino, Dino, from his good will, like, from his side, he said that we need to do something for Asif. Okay? We need to help him because this guy is my kid. Like, we need to go out and help him because, like, what are we at the end of the day, like, we are playing here for each other, right? And I've... And Dino has been coaching Islamabad. He was Islamabad coach from the inception when Islamabad started. So he was there he saw asif grow the player he, he eventually became right now so he had that like you know connection and he was more than willing on a human level to go and help him out and you guys must have even seen that press conference after islamabad got knocked out in 2019 where he eventually says that you guys please be nice to asif okay he's a good kid so that was very emotional and also he connects on a personal level like he'll get down to the players level he understands what is he wants to know about their personal life. Is there anything he can do to make make them better or like, you know, make them feel comfortable and give them their space to perform. So that is one thing. And he was never like, one thing which I really like liked is like, if you failed, he was never ever the kind of guy who would come and like, you know, have a go at you. As long as you did your job. So Aastaf Ali's job was basically you know, the high risk job, right? You are a hitter. You can basically get out. That's basically what Rishabh Pant has been going through for the Indian side. So even if you failed, he, he, he'll be like, no, it's fine. Okay. If you failed, not a problem. At least you did your job. You try to do your job. That is what matters to me. He doesn't care if you, he doesn't care if you uh, care that if your job was to score like quick fire 20 and you come out 20 or 20, he's going to, he's not going to like it, but he's always going to support you. If you do the job, even though if you have failed at it, at least you try to do your job.
4: Awesome. Thank you for sharing those
1: anecdotes. Yeah. Yeah, that was a... so amazing. I think I think that perspective was quite great. And there's a lot of stories that people don't know about Dino, and uh, we are lucky to have you and have yeah. these stories out here. So yeah. So finally, I wanted to talk about Pakistani Twitter because it's it's to be frank, it's lit. It's full of good memes, mm-hmm. good content. So can you tell us about that and how it's a little different from Indian Twitter? Yes. Yeah, so so the,
5: uh, Indian cricket Twitter, right? Like they they are also very pretty pretty good at memes and all that but i when i joined like when i used to be part of the like psl watching and i used to follow all these guys right their twitter game is on another level okay they go and find jokes and they are quick at finding those it's not like you know like after a day or two you are quick within half an hour you have jokes ready on particular events already okay and it's they are so quick and they it's basically a mix you know like you might find some you know, smart people like you on Pakistan Twitter, you'll find like a lot of guys who are breaking down the game, and on the other spectrum, you'll find a lot a lot of guys, you know, like making memes out of the game. So there's like a lot of things. If if you are coming to follow, you can follow like a wide variety of you know perceptions or you know, understanding of the game as you want it. So you are gonna like have a really good time following the game if you're if you are within Pakistan Twitter.
2: And I think it comes from a place of you know, like how you process your emotions. I mm-hmm. feel like, especially fans of teams who do bad, I hope Pakistan fans don't jump on me for this. But I feel like, especially if your team hasn't been doing well, like one of the best ways to process that, you know, is process it through humor. And I think it comes yeah. from there. And, and I think a lot of fans, even from India, times will identify with that.
5: Yeah, Like, I've noticed one thing, right? Like, so when I've been watching games, like, I'm, like, weirdly very confident about how they might do, like, how Islamabad might do, even though we are, like, we are in a bad position, I'm weirdly confident about it. But I have seen like, a lot of Pakistani fans who have, like, given up. And I genuinely ask one guy, why are you like this? And he's like, bro, support Pakistan for 15 years, you will be like okay? us. <laughs> he's like, you have been supporting India, you have had it good for a long time. Okay, yeah. so you're weirdly confident about weird as, uh, weird, weird as hell positions. We are not confident. We are even confident that we are going to lose a match from a winning position. where we can never be like you and all that. So, yeah, and your point of humor, uh, using humor to process, they have been losing for a while. So, I think that's what, like, no offense, but they're, that's what I think is their best coping
2: mechanism. That's right.
4: Yeah, I just had a question for you, Clive. Kind of like to the topic, I guess, or not really to the topic, but, um, So now that this Pakistan uh, PSL 6 is happening in Pakistan, are you going to be working, are you currently working remotely or will you be there on site at some point in time?
5: No, no, no. I'm working remotely. So basically I'm doing match reports now. So my job is like completely shifted from what earlier, at least I used to be more involved with the the team in the sense that I used to like plan practice, sorry, plan some practice sessions or whatever. But that also was very on off cases, but I used to plan some other things as well, like, you know, media engagements if required and all that, getting the players on for media engagements. But that has now completely changed. Now that I'm here working in UAE, okay, I basically my job is to write the match reports for the website. So if anyone, like, if they, they don't have anyone for that, so basically that's my job. Now, even even before that was my job, but that was like a very small part of my job. Now this is my only job here. Hopefully, hopefully I, like, I get to go to Pakistan one day and like watch the league over there because... It's like I've heard a lot about how exciting it is and how the fans have embraced the game. So hopefully one
1: day. Yeah. I would love to go to Pakistan. It's 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 my lifelong dream to go to Lahore. And <laughs> if you get to go, take me. Like I'll come we'll, in a suitcase. We'll make something, ha- we'll make something happen
2: though. Hey, do you want to go there for the food or for the cricket? Food, cricket, music.
1: So I'm Perfect. like a Coke yes. studio fan, right? And food, cricket, music, history, everything. Yeah. So
5: no, that's a plan then? <laughs>
2: Clive, who are you backing for PSL 6 to win? Oh,
5: that's, that's a very obvious answer. Islamabad United.
2: But who's actually going to win, do you think?
5: <laughs> okay. See, now, the thing is, uh, I, I would say, again, Islamabad United because they have their bases covered. But then other side, which I really like, okay, like I really like for cricketing-wise, I don't like them as a team, is Karachi Kings, okay? Okay. Because... Karachi Kings have, have they do have their bases covered in every sense. They have a backup fastballer, even their backup fastballer, backup batsmen, their local, overseas, like, you know, overseas players as well. All these guys who are not in the playing 11 could easily make playing 11s of other sides. Yeah. So that is where I feel that even if there's an injury or something happens, they are still a very strong side to beat. So, and they are proving themselves. They have Babar Azam, Shajil Khan, Mohamed Amir, Imad Wasim. Dan Christian, Mohammad Nabi, so they are like a very well proper stacked team. So for them not to win this PSL, a lot has to go wrong. At least I'm sure they will finish top two in the league stage. But since the playoffs is lottery, so it's more about luck in the playoffs, which I think luck is not discussed a lot about in cricket. Okay, it will be like unless this luck is not their way. If sorry, if luck doesn't stop them, they are going to win the whole thing. Okay.
2: All right, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, Clive, Azevedo you know, thank you again for joining us to talk about the PSL. Uh, I hope that our listeners who aren't too familiar with the league found this conversation as illuminating as I did. And for our listeners, you can find Clive tweeting on the game at underscore Vanilla Walla on Twitter. And Clive, we do hope you will come back on the show again, you know, to sure. we hope we can talk more about the players in each teams and all of that. And for your sake, I wish Islamabad United all the best for the remaining games this year.
5: Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks. And thanks for having me, guys. It was a lovely session of uh, uh, conversation. And hopefully, I'll be back soon if you guys are willing to have me on.
2: Absolutely. It was very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> that's it for this episode of the last wicket do subscribe to this podcast to be notified of new episodes follow us on your social media feeds and do spread the word about the show for more details please visit our website at thelastwicket.com once again thank you for listening and we hope you come back for more from all of us here at the last wicket have a great week